0: So these last two weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. First, Jesus spoke the Beatitudes. They turn life around, upside down, inside out, of what the blessed or the good life means for Christians. And Jesus already there says the world takes a broad path, but you must take a narrow way down with God. Second, last week, we looked at how Jesus started to actually teach. And he made it very clear to his disciples that their difference from everyone else must be maintained. They are to stay on that narrow way he set them out from the get-go. And from the very start, Jesus made clear that the foundation and cornerstone of the Christian faith is a rejected cornerstone by the world. But at the same time, he pointed out, being different is what makes you special. As all the rats tend to follow the Piper's tune, our new song is what makes us salt of the earth. It makes us a light on a hill. We need deep principles, unafraid of offending wrong by doing right. Very well, so good. Jesus today tightens up on those two strands. He reviews his troops' armor of faith. But he also sets somewhat a peril of legalism before us. But as an antidote to legalism, Jesus teaches us to trust and know that equipment, that armor of faith that he's going to give us today. So Jesus has given us the Beatitudes. He's told us we are the salt of the earth. And now after he's warmed up the crowd and he is standing on the hill with everyone looking at him, let us see what Jesus decides to preach next. Our gospel reading for today is Matthew 5. Verses 17 through 20. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever Matthew so I don't know my main reaction there is what's the relevance because let's face it ever since bacon wrapped prawns went back on the menu we don't really talk about the law talk of cleft hooves is just redundant these days indeed the ceremonial law is no longer used But even more, as Christians, we have seen the hazards of when the ceremonial laws are picked back up again. As a pastor, I get it about, why is there leaven in this? Why aren't we meeting on Saturday? The law is tricky business for us Christians. Yet, Jesus here is clearly stating that the common attitude cannot stand. We cannot view the law as completely struck out by the New Testament or deleted We should instead ask, why do we not use the law anymore if Jesus puts this much importance on it? The reason we do not use the ceremonial laws anymore, and the prevention of legalism, I hope, today before I get into this subject, is they deal with approaching God. At the time of the Old Testament, God was external from humanity. But in the New Testament, the kingdom of God has come to dwell in us internally. So as Christians, we no longer have to deal with being clean to approach because we're not approaching. We have. And to trust ceremony in that situation, to trust which day we meet on or anything like that, would be the same as trying to scoop God from out within us so we can make ourselves clean to just stand in front of him. That's the danger of legalism. And a similar violence can happen with the ethical laws. God dwells within us, as the prophet said when I read it today. The law will be written upon our hearts. As long as we keep this approach versus have issue, most of the apparent tensions that we tend to draw between Matthew and perhaps some of my thinkers out there are thinking Paul, they go away. Because Paul says the law cannot make you holy or alive. By works, yes, we never are worthy to approach God. Paul is correct. It's Christ alone through faith. That's all that can bring us to God, all that can make us holy. But Matthew is speaking to a situation after that because in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom has come in chapter 4 and we're in chapter 5. Jesus is saying the spirit of the lawgiver is within you guys. The law is established within you. And my friends, you cannot have the law giver and leave out the law bit. So the Old and New Testament distinction always lays between approaching God as if he dwells in an outside temple and being the very temple yourself. Now that's the guard against the evil scourge of legalism. As a pastor, I don't like legalism and I have never had anyone come up to me and confess, I'm a legalist. It's something we just fall into. Legalism, simply put, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is a spirit of deciding who is in and who is out by a rule other than the rule of faith. We all know the danger that happens in Christian communities when we start saying, you are out because... But my friends, legalism has a second form that is much more common than that. Never ever underestimate the danger of the words you are in because. Because both of them make the lack or execution of religion external from what's going on inside. Now I'm scared of legalism, as you can tell given a lot of this sermon to it the passage makes me nervous on that point however father preserve us this is your word and it's the only way we can live so hear this again one of the things i love about series is i would never pick this one but i'm going straight through it so do not think that i've come to abolish the law of the prophets i've come not to abolish but to fulfill for truly i tell you until heaven and earth pass away not one letter not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Jesus here points out all those Old Testament eyes are still dotted. All that uncomfortable stuff that everyone talks about, Jesus keeps it. And Jesus is the nicest guy in the Bible. He died for your sins and he is the one keeping it. This is salty. Jesus had just told us last week, you're going to be the salt of the earth. And the thing about salt, it sticks out on the tongue. And Jesus, if he were to walk into many churches today and say, hey guys, get out your Old Testaments and let's go to Leviticus and have everyone start reading it, that wouldn't be particularly popular. But we must remember that when we say Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, which God is he? He is the God of the Old Testament, the God of Sinai. Eternal, unchanging, just, and challenging. And a tad bit scary. Now the one thing, the only thing that has changed for us in the New Testament compared to the Hebrews is we no longer use the law to approach God. It's no longer a hindrance to coming to him. We no longer have to be ceremonial, clean, da-da-da-da-da. But we have been made holy and we possess God. And Jesus, as our master, he looks within us to see if that law truly abides. Because the question is, what if Jesus is in us? What if the spirit of the law is in us? And what if Jesus comes and looks and he really doesn't find it? What if the master comes to the trees and says, I want them to bear fruit, and there's nothing on it? Jesus even now looks into all of our hearts, from which flows what makes us clean or unclean, Christ said when he declared food a non-issue. And Christ's eyes are divine, and as we'll get to later in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, be perfect as our Father is perfect. And one of the things about salvation through faith alone is, it is perfect already impossible in human terms this far into jesus's sermon it is absolutely fit to squirm here and if you don't i worry for you myself i debate not eating that ham in my fridge because not one dot or iota goes now there are many christians who cannot dwell in this tension they either write it off as not existing or they Ask and I tell you this is not from faith that they ask this. They ask where is the love and forgiveness in forgiveness and all this stuff, Jesus? But see this hard look Christ is giving us over the law. It's a purifying look. When we come to this and we squirm and say, I, I think Jesus is being too mean here. Christ's look is drawing out our animosity towards God and our lack of faith. That feeling we have deep down in our hearts that he is too strict. No, my friends, you must instead seek the faith that says Christ will enable me at this point. By his grace, Jesus is intending to give this to his hearers. The question most of he has for most of his hearers is, Do you believe me that I will actually give the grace? It says in 19, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has already got us here. And then Jesus forbids the loosening of the law. Him, not I, I don't have any authority here. Jesus binds it. But my friends, again, this is faith and this is grace because there's mercy and a source of power in this. Trying to loosen the tensions is a return to legalism. Trying to get back into which iotas I can get rid of gets us back into the law. It binds us back up. But worse than that, it gives us a false confidence. Oh, well, your life can't make USDA grade A. Let's try grade B minus. But who authorizes that? We have all these spiritual systems. Who has authorized it? And do we really trust God to take a subpar product that we have cooked up into our own minds? As Christ would tell the Pharisees, you don't follow God's laws. You follow these man-made laws. You tie up all these burdens on people and it gets nowhere. Jesus is here telling us to get the real thing. But I can tell you that there's also mercy and a source of power in here that you may not quite recognize. Because this strong, hard law It can make us strong and hard when we aren't. As the Old Testament says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I can tell you as a pastor, I get challenged on ethics a lot. And sometimes I'm not really sure if I give somebody a well-reasoned answer, they will even listen to it. How do you get into a political debate and actually has anyone won one? It's so easy also on many moral issues when it doesn't affect you to just say, that's okay. And win a friend. It's comfortable. The conflict goes away. My friends, it is very scary in the world to be conservative on any issue, especially when the other party feels the other way. It's scary to say, I don't think so. And this hard law, this scary Jesus gives us a power to do that. Because when pressed, I lean here. It happens, happens to me a lot. I simply let myself be more scared of God. It's Christ is going to say in the same sermon, Fear him who kills the soul, not him who kills the body. But even more than all of that, this inability to keep the law, but the law's absolute firmness, is the gateway. Remember how I said, us fighting it isn't coming from faith. Faith finds a gateway here. Because we are empty of our own efforts and any of the rest of that stuff, we can become a truly empty vessel. Christ can fill with his spirit, which is the spirit of the law, which is the spirit that will never lose a T or an I. We uphold the law despite the fact that it condemns all human pride. It breaks all human effort. But in doing that, we humble ourselves. And the words become a blessing that Christ resists the proud and exalts all who humble themselves as we continue to go through this sermon, we will find this last verse, chapter 20, opens a door into what Jesus is really getting at. Verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. It almost sounds like it's worse because those guys, they, they went to their garden and picked stuff out. I'm still struggling. Can I watch that thing on TV with a pure mind? But verse 20 gives us a key to Jesus' thinking here and where he's really getting. The scribes and Pharisees, they've looked at the law as something not to break. It was a righteousness motivated by fear. Jesus wants something better than that sort of righteousness. That's the righteousness of the Pharisees. He wants one greater. Fear of transgression is a heavy burden anyways not breaking also doesn't work not breaking looks for loopholes all that is legal is not always ethical jesus here pushes for something very different than a law of rules you don't break we'll come well in these next weeks we'll look and we'll see what fulfilling the law means in all these different ones and i invite you to read matthew 5 and read through all the different topics he's going on and realize, oh my goodness, poor Pastor Paul. He's actually going to preach through all those things. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) But see, Jesus and all this stuff, what he really gets to is he wants his disciples, instead of following the law as rules that you do not break, he wants them to forego having to appeal to the rules. So when it comes to retribution, Christ doesn't say go to the law of retribution. He says just don't take retribution in the first place. When it comes to the laws on divorce, Jesus says you really shouldn't be picking up those chapters anyways. Just as he frees us from this fear of breaking, he also frees us into keeping in a new way. Remember all those times Jesus picked mercy rather than insisting on a perfect unbroken Sabbath. A Jesus who would be scared of breaking the rules could never have healed on a Sabbath day. But our Christ, who fulfilled the law, did miracles, and even his opponents had to confess. Can a sinner do that? And that living is where the true freedom comes in. It's true freedom to do a liberal good. But without all this, faith cannot be left out the equation. The perfect law crushes you the second you try it without it. But by faith, we can say, Christ makes me able. That's the whole point, Right? It frees us from trying under our own effort, and it fixes and prevents all the mental gymnastics we come up with when that effort fails. Let the law be firm, my friends, and let grace be greater. Was that not Paul's message? And if we do that, we as Christians are to be lights to the world dying under the law. The world cannot keep the law any better than us. But we do not free them by loosening it, or by having them live out a checklist. But we free the world by showing them the spirit of God living within ourselves and the tensions that creates as God creates his kingdom within each and every one of us. Because that's a learning through faith how God makes us able. And God will show through us that he's able to break the cycle of fear that comes from living in fear of trying to not violate the law. And it shows a new spirit that can step into a new life free from the law and free from condemnation. So I leave you with these words from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Paul had just talked about the fruit of the flesh Under the law and all the trouble that it causes everyone. But by contrast, this is Paul speaking the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We live by the Spirit. Let us also be guided by the Spirit. We will continue with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount with his look on hate and anger next week.